0: Okay, moving on. The packing list. Are you guys sick of my voice yet? This is the With a Dog Podcast, a podcast for the modern dog parent. I'm your host, Carly, and every Wednesday I bring on pet professionals or some fellow dog parents, and we laugh, learn, and commiserate about everything from the confusing vet visits to dog park etiquette to the 2 a.m. potty breaks. Essentially, life with a dog. Happy New Year, everyone. Second episode of 2022. I'm very happy to be here. Complete honesty, this is the second time that I have recorded this episode because I did it last night. I hated it. I edited the whole thing. I listened to it again, and I was like, F, this is boring. And that's the issue with only having 52 episodes a year, or sometimes less if I actually take a vacation. You want every one to be great. And I know a lot of people are like, 52, that's a lot, Carly. It's not... When you actually look at how many amazing topics that we can cover in the dog world and how many awesome dog parents there are to talk to, how many breeds I want to learn more about, how many training methods you want to cover, that I want to inform you guys about, all of the things. So it kind of kills me when one episode isn't great, especially when I am the solo person in that episode. I do not like doing solo episodes, guys. I like the banter. I like the chat. I like to talk to someone, especially when it's a longer episode, which is like a Wednesday episode. Usually I aim them to be anywhere from like 40 minutes to an hour. And that's a lot of me talking, which is why I'm bringing you something new. New episodes every other week on Fridays. It's called FYI Fridays. These are going to be 20-minute, informational, short episodes. It's going to be a deep dive into a specific thing about dog care, dog life, but it's going to be more on the informational turn. So, you know, so for instance, microchips, what are they? Why does your dog need one? How do you make sure yours are updated? What happens when your dog goes missing? How does the microchip help? Or crate training. What are the pros? What are the cons? Why is it recommended? What types of crates are best for what types of dogs, etc. But it's gonna be in short 20 minute informational episodes. I'm doing them on Fridays. And for all of you listening who are like, Carly, we voted for Monday. Yes, I am sorry. <laughs> I am sorry, I went against your wishes. I made an executive decision. So I did a poll on my Instagram and Monday's one out but not by a huge margin. It was like 60-40. And the reason I decided to make it FYI Fridays is because I thought more about the actual content of the episode. And I felt like to start your Monday off with that, it's fine. But I don't know, the way my brain works is I've got a bajillion things happening during the week, like Monday through Friday, as do most people in the world. And the last thing you need is like more information to take in. And so I was like, well, Maybe if it's on a Friday, Friday morning, you're happy, you're like, "Yeah, I can take in some info. I can take in some info about my dogs, a little health and wellness snippet for them. Or if it's the weekend, you're like, "Yeah, I can take that in." If you're the type of person who you're like, "No, I want to start my my Monday, my week off with that information, then great, Save the Friday episode for Monday. It'll still be there. You don't have to listen on Friday. That's the great thing about podcasts. They're around forever. In addition, um, Friday, when I actually looked at it, it just like worked better for my schedule too, because I am a procrastinator. And inevitably, even if I was like, oh, the episodes come out on Monday, I'm going to have it done by Friday. I know I won't. And I didn't want to be scrambling on Sunday when I want, I would rather be spending time with family or doing something fun over the weekend. So I was trying to keep kind of my workload in the Monday through Friday bracket, too. So those are kind of the reasons why it's going to be FYI Fridays, four-year information Fridays, 20-minute informational snippets. It's still going to be entertaining. It's just going to be me, though. Just my voice, and that's why I'm keeping it short, because I don't like to go on for an hour-long episode with just me talking. And then the Wednesday episodes are going to stay the same. Wednesdays are still going to be fun, entertaining, informational, awesome guests, And about hour-long episodes. You know, I just realized I keep saying every Friday. It's every other Friday, guys. At the moment, I can't take on doing an every Friday, FYI Friday episode. Maybe one day. But at the moment, every other Friday is what we're looking at. That was kind of my main announcement. Other things that you can look forward to in 2022 at the With a Dog podcast is I'm hoping to be traveling a little bit more, doing some more in-person episodes or in-person interviews and kind of like vlog style reels to go along with those episodes as well. Definitely going to be coming out with some merch as well. So um dog zaddies, if you or dog moms who have a dog zaddy and you want to get some merch for them, I got you. That's going to be happening for sure. Also a membership, which I'm really going to try to make like as completely affordable as possible. It's stuff that we've that we've all talked about, like as a community, you know, and I've done some Instagram lives and stuff. We've talked about doing a membership where we do like virtual wine nights and virtual book clubs and things like that. So I'd really love to make that happen soon. And then within that membership, maybe there would be like exclusive content as well, like more episodes with Charlotte and Ashley of Jonathan's Journal and things along those lines. So that's the plan as of right now. And in that spirit, today's episode. Today's episode is going to be a little bit informational-based, a little advice-based, and it's just me. And for that, I am deeply sorry. All the new listeners that are coming from the sex episode from last week, welcome. So happy to have you. I don't usually do solo episodes, but I recently did a road trip with my dog. It wasn't a huge one. It was just down from Sacramento, Seattle to Sacramento and back. And so that's about 13 hours each way. And I did it in one day each time. And I did that for the holidays. I did it with my dog that's not great in the car. And I feel like I have some tips and tricks to share with all of you. In addition, quite a few of all of you listeners I asked for your advice about road trips and you really have a lot of experience with that. A lot of you have gone on cross-country road trips with your dogs and have some great info. So, I'm going to share that with everyone listening. All right. So, let's get into it. Road trip. So, I kind of tried to put it into sections. First is all about like the planning ahead and things that you need to think about before you even leave on your road trip. So things such as like planning your route, prepping your dog, thinking about safety, making your packing list. And then the last section is more of like the actual drive. So I'm going to read off information that people have sent me about the actual drive, but but also I'm going to share my experience when I did my road trip this last month. In addition, I took a ton of videos during my road trip, and I'm going to try to put those all into like vlog style reels to go with the episode. So, definitely, definitely go to my Instagram. I'll probably put them on TikTok as well. So, either way, it's at with a dog podcast on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. I'm going to share it all on there. So, ch- check those out so you can kind of visualize or see what my setup was while I'm describing it in this episode as well. Okay. First section for road trips, let's get into it. So, first off, it's planning ahead. And obviously, that can encompass so many things. First advice that everyone gave this was like by far the most popular tip. And it was one that was on my list as well plan your routes and your stops ahead of time. So, that might seem pretty obvious to a lot of people. Like, yeah, if I'm on a road trip, I know. Like, I'm gonna look at a map ahead of time and just see like how to get to my destination. But the actual planning of how often am I gonna stop? How often is my dog going to need to stop? Taking into account everyone's needs. So it's like, okay, I need to eat. My dog needs to eat. My dog needs water. Like you can drink your water during the drive. Your dog cannot necessarily. I know there's those like splash proof bowls that you can have in the car. Personally, I don't use any of that stuff. So Every time I stop, that's also when my dog is able to get water. You're going to need gas. You're going to need potty breaks for both you and your dog. So those are all the things that go into each stop. And planning ahead of time how often you're going to do that in addition to where you're going to do that. It depends also on how long of a road trip you're on. So if you are doing like a multiple day, cross country, couple week type of thing, you know, if you're, you're doing like van life. Obviously, it's a little bit different than what I did, which was just like 13 hours straight through one day because your dog is going to end up needing more exercise. You know, like my dog, like one day without a specific intense exercise is fine because I, I planned for that. But as I said, if you're doing like a multiple day thing, start to plan. One of the main tips was start your to plan your stops around where and how your dog can exercise. So is it going to be one of those things where you stop every three to four hours and your dog goes on like a little 20-minute walk at each point? Is it going to be you're stopping at a specific place where your dog can exercise? So if you're on a road trip and there's this one specific landmark or hike that you want to go on, can your dog get their exercise at that point as well? You know, one person actually said that they researched dog parks to stop at during the day that were not far off of the route or, like, not far off the freeway. So I think that's, like, probably the maximum you can do as far as, like, if you're on a road trip, you're trying to make time, find a dog park that your dog can go in. I think at minimum, I used rest stops, and I think those are great, too. People have mentioned that truck stops and rest stops have more and more like pet areas, and that's what I've noticed for sure myself. They're usually empty. They're usually actually quite well kept too. All of the rest stops that I went to were very well kept. The pet area was great. They had doggy bags. They had trash cans. There's nice big green area to stop in. So that is advice number one in planning ahead with plan your routes and your breaks ahead of time. Just like a general, okay... This is what the route is looking like. And also, when you're looking at the route, you need to take into account, am I going through some kind of summit or pass where I know that there won't be a good stop off for a few hours? Or maybe I'm going to hit a big slowdown because there's probably going to be some snow or ice. And on that note, what is the temperature going to be like? Are you going in the heat of the summer? Are you going in the middle of the winter? You may say that doesn't really matter because you're going to be in the car and you can temperature control it. But... I've done the trip from Seattle down to Sacramento in the height of the summer and, you know, six hours of the trip, it was like 80 degrees and under. And then the last six hours of the trip was high 90s and the dog in the back started panting a little. He started getting a little warm, even though I had the air conditioner blasting. You just need to think about some of those kind of things ahead of time. You know, if it's 100 degrees outside, it does factor in with what type of breaks you can take and what kind of stops you can make for yourself and for your dog because we don't leave dogs in hot cars. We all know this. Cool. This also plays in if you're going on a longer road trip, you're, you want to go on a hike or a landmark that doesn't allow dogs. If it's like a national or state park that dogs aren't allowed in, you want to go and do this little walk or see the bison or whatever it is, and you have to leave your dog in the car, is it going to be safe for them temperature-wise? So that kind of just goes into researching the route, which is kind of like builds into planning your routes and your breaks ahead of time. The research of what the route looks like, what temperature it's going to be as you go through different terrains, different parts of the country. And also, you know, I'm talking about like mountainous areas, summits and passes. What if you're going through a city and you happen to be going through that big city at rush hour traffic time? You do not want to be sitting in the car in bumper to bumper traffic with your dog and it's your dinner time. It's their dinner time. Everyone's grumpy. You can't pull off because there's traffic in every direction. Just something to think about of kind of like how to time. Everything. So that is number one in planning ahead. Number two in planning ahead is prepping your dog. So you just prepped your route. Now you have to think about your dog. Do you have a dog that sleeps all day in the car? Great. Good for you. If they're not fussed with anything, then you can exercise them in the morning before you leave or sometime during the day. They'll sleep the day away. Everyone's happy. However, if you start doing that for days and days on end, they are going to need some kind of mental enrichment. So think about, you know, if you need to bring enrichment toys just so their brain is a little bit active. What if their brain is a little too active? What if you have a dog in the car that has a bit of anxiety or gets stressed? Or maybe your dog is fine on a six-hour road trip, but they've never gone longer and you don't know how they're going to react. You need to start prepping for any type of scenario on how they're going to react to a multiple day road trip or an extremely long day trip. If you feel like maybe you need to start getting some kind of anti-anxiety medication or some CBD, always look into that ahead of time, well ahead of time with your veterinarian. Do not walk into your vet office the day before you're supposed to leave on your road trip and ask for anti-anxiety meds because more often than not, they are not going to give them to you. A lot of vets are going to say, no, we need blood work. Your dog needs to acclimate to the medication, etc. Same thing with CBD. You need to get the dosage right if you're doing any kind of drops, if you're doing uh treats. All of that is going to affect you. You need to make sure that you your dog is used to taking medication or CBD ahead of time if you're going to use it on your road trip. And then, of course, training. You know, so that's kind of more the extreme example is medication. but We have all been a little bit more housebound the last couple years, and so maybe your dog just hasn't gotten acclimated to the car. So do some prep ahead of time, you know, before you embark on a week-long cross-country road trip, maybe do a couple around where you live, you know, a a few-hour type of thing, and get them used to enjoying the car, being in the car, what's expected of them in the car. So things like car manners. And by that, I mean, you know, they're not trying to jump on you while you're driving. They're not barking in your ear. They're staying in the spot they're supposed to be in the car, the spot that you designate for them. And you're positively reinforcing all of these manners. Another one, my top tip is I never let my dog in or out of the car unless I give the go ahead. I don't like them jumping out willy nilly because I want to make sure the surrounding area is secure and of course that they're not going to like take off or something. And then also jumping in the car. Sometimes I want to, like, straighten the bedding and get one or two things out. So they need to go into a sit or at least, like, a calm wait before I, I let them get in. So those are kind of just, like, all the things of, like, think about how your dog is going to act on your road trip. Um, A lot of this I'm saying from, like, my own perspective of the, the trip I did from Seattle to Sacramento or Seattle to Lake Tahoe. But... You know, that was a one day thing. So if you're doing an overnight situation, as I said, like a week long cross country, you also need to start thinking about like, you know, if you're camping or if you're Airbnb or your hotel, I am going to go into another episode, which is more like about how to travel with your dog. And I'm going to say a lot more tips in there. But that's just something to think about. Like, is your dog going to be okay left alone in the car or in the hotel room or at the Airbnb if you're going to go out to dinner? or something like that. So just like think also of what you're going to need and how they're going to need to behave in the different spaces that they are in during the road trip. All right. So that is prepping your route, prepping your dog. Next section is all about safety. So this is mainly just like safety for yourself and safety for your dog while you embark on this trip. So obviously, if you're going on a road trip, make sure your car is in order. Make sure you at least have like a YouTube saved on how to change a tire if you don't know. You have your AAA or emergency service. Make sure you never get under like a quarter of tank of gas. Things like that. Use some common sense in that way. But safety also for your dog. The gold standard of safety for a dog in a car is a crate. Usually, um, I believe the, the brands Gunner kennels and Roughland kennels are the ones I believe are CPS certified. And I have heard good things about those brands. Total honesty, I did not crate my dog when we're on the road trip. I did bring his crate in the car if I felt like he needed to be crated. But I think it's one of those things that you need to be aware of because you are in a car and car accidents happen and you want yourself and your dog to be as safe as possible on your journey. But also, I know my dog, and I knew he would be more anxious in his crate in the car than not. He loves his crate in the house. He likes to have maximum visibility in the car because that calms him down. And he kind of freaks out if he doesn't have that visibility. In addition, speaking of visibility, his crate would have significantly reduced my visibility out of the rearview mirror. So, all in all, what I'm saying is... I did not crate him for quite a few reasons. It is up to you on what you would like to do with your dog. You know your dog best. You know your car best. Have the ability to play around with a few different options. What I ended up doing was he had a, he was like tethered to the seat, but he still had the ability to lay down. He basically had most of the back seat available to him. I got one of those like bucket type of things that, that go from the front two seats. And then, like, it's full fabric all the way to the headrest of the back seat. So it's kind of like he had, like, the nice well of the whole back seat. You guys can see it in the reels that I'm making. But I really liked that because I felt like he was secure. He was separated from me in the front seat because he is the type who would love to jump into the front. I was able still to get to him. I was still able to reach him, which I liked as well, because sometimes... He is a little bit more anxious in the car. He likes to be soothed a little bit with some pets. So I liked that aspect. And I did still feel like he was relatively safe. Um, It's not as safe as he could have been, though. So just keep that in mind with long car trips, whatever you want to do. It's a level of safety that you feel comfortable with. And other things to think about on the safety list is stuff outside of the car, such as a high-vis vest, and a clip-on light for your dog and for you. If you're driving when it's dark out and you stop at a rest stop and it's dark, maybe wise to have, well, first of all, you know, be smart with stopping at a deserted rest stop in the middle of the night. So that's, you know, first off. But second, if you are just anywhere at night on the road, it is nice to have a either like some kind of high vis type of situation on your dog and you or at the very least bring a flashlight. That's what I did. I had Albie's leash, flashlight, poop bags all in the pocket of the door. So when I opened the door, it was all right there for me. And that was extremely helpful to have like a nice little flashlight on me. One for safety, two just so I could like see his poop in the dark bushes. Also, concerning your dog, make sure all of their ID info, like their ID tags, are up to date as well as their microchip. Someone did write in and say that they have known multiple people who have dogs who jumped out of the car, ran away, and were never to be seen or heard from again. So they lost their dog while they were on the road trip. Honestly, that sounds like one of the worst things that could ever happen because it's not even like you're in your own area so you could start a search or anything. So make sure all of their information is on them and updated with your correct info. In addition to that, have maybe some of your dog's emergency info in your car too. Maybe just like their vaccination list or something like that, just like their little certificate that shows that they're up to date on vaccines just in case you do need to take them to a vet or you're in an emergency situation where maybe you'll need that. I actually keep all of that stuff in my car anyway. Like I keep a printout of their vaccines in my car because usually more often than not if I ever need to reference it, I'm like at the groomer or maybe at the dog park or something like that and it's already in the car. So it's just I just keep that a copy of it in my car at all times anyway. And then just touching on, you know, safety for you, if you are a woman traveling on a road trip alone, or actually, you know, even if you're not a woman, whoever you are, think about your own safety. I always carry a like personal alarm that uh, goes onto my key ring. So I had that attached to my car keys and that I had on my person at all times. Even when I was in the car driving, my car is the kind where you just need the fob in there and then you press the like start stop button to start the car so you don't actually have to like insert the key. So I kept that like key fob and the personal alarm in my pocket even while I was driving. And I really liked that because one, I knew it was on me at all times. So even if I pressed it a little too long and really had to pee and stopped at a gas station and just like ran inside, I knew that I could like lock the car from my pocket and I, like I had whatever I needed on me basically. In addition, um, if I wasn't actively using my wallet, it was hidden away, like my purse and stuff. It was hidden away. It wasn't just like sitting on the seat next to me. And that made me feel a little bit safer, you know, like someone's not gonna break into the car just because they see the purse like sitting right there and the car is empty. Um, I also always lock my car. Like even when I'm pumping gas, I lock my car. I don't know. That's something I heard from like a long time ago where You know, people can like crawl into the back or something while you're distracted if your car's unlocked and obviously there's a dog and a bunch of luggage. So I doubt that would be happening necessarily on a road trip. But it's just habit for me. Like if I am out of the car, I keep it locked. And then if I am inside the car, I keep it locked. Um, As far as like that personal alarm that I mentioned earlier, I am so wanting them to be a a sponsor for the podcast. It's called Birdie. uh, It's B-I-R-D-I-E. Um, I just think that they're a really great company. And so I have reached out to them. And so, you know, if you're thinking of buying one of those things, just like may- wait for a little bit. Maybe I'll have a discount. Who knows? I'll keep you updated. That's just what I use. If you want to have something a little bit more like pepper spray tasers, that kind of thing, you you do you. Go whatever is with whatever is going to make you feel as safe as possible. And then also I touched on this earlier as far as like making sure your car is all ready for the road trip but along those lines have like an emergency prepared kit in the car potentially too if you get into an accident there's like these little kits that you can have that like cut through the seatbelt and cut through the windshield and road flares and things like that you know make sure you have that in your car as well another tip that someone said you know if you do park somewhere and go in Try to park as close to the front of the store as possible, and then you should be on camera. So if someone does try to break into your car or steal your dog, they will be on camera and it's close to the front of the store, therefore more visible in general. Okay, moving on the packing list. Are you guys sick of my voice yet? Damn, if if you've gotten this far, thanks, guys. Thanks for, for listening. I know this is not an overly entertaining episode. Hopefully it's informational. The packing list. Um multiple people said bring extra towels, bring an extra leash and collar. Pre-scoop your food into like Tupperware's or baggies for each day. That's very smart so you don't have like the huge bag of dog food or the huge bin that you're just like scooping in and out of. So have that like pre-portioned out for the dogs. Um, maybe if you're far away from a garbage can for any reason, maybe you're in more of like a mountainous area and you go on a walk with your dog or you go on a hike and there's no garbage around, get a airtight container for the poop bags. This person recommended, um, like an old Folgers thing. And so that's an option. On that note, people said bring more poop bags than you think you need. Bring a garbage bag. Probably a couple garbage bags. Just if you're a multiple day, then you can have like one for each day kind of thing. Bring a first aid kit. Keep it accessible. So first aid kit for you and your dog, especially if you are doing some more adventurous things while you're out and about. Then also another person said bring extra food. Maybe bring extra food for yourself, but definitely bring extra food for your dog. Because what if the car breaks down or you get lost or something like that? Maybe you just want to extend your trip and go for a few more days than you thought. If any of these things happen, you can always eat at a McDonald's. It might be more difficult to find your dog's food if you run out. So maybe just bring like an extra day's worth of food for your dog. So that's kind of like the, the pre-packing trip for you. You know, there's other things that you can add on to there like enrichment toys, snuffle mats, um, Kongs, things like that that can entertain your dog throughout the day. I do think the towels though. Like even though, it, even if it's not actively raining or something where you are, maybe the rest stop was muddy. Maybe, maybe the gas station you stopped at, the, that the dog got out and peed at, was like grimy, whatever it is. It's always, if you're on the road for multiple days, it's always nice to keep the car interior as clean as possible. So I definitely agree with the extra towels. Plus then the dog can kind of use those extra towels as like a blanket in the back. And then maybe you don't need to pack their big, fluffy blankie that they usually have at home. And, you know, also to note, don't overpack either. So if your dog has a favorite toy, bring that. But don't bring, like, five of their toys and their big, fluffy, comfy bed and ten towels and four different leashes. Keep it tight. Keep it efficient. What do you actually need? for this trip, what is going to be the most functional, the most efficient, and bring those things. Your dog can have fun no matter where they are. They don't need a bajillion toys to ensure their happiness while you're on the road trip. All right, everyone, that is the preparation. That's everything that we had. So we've got, we went through like a little packing list, you know, make sure you start this packing list a couple weeks ahead of time and then add to it. We've talked about safety. We've talked about prepping your dog, planning your route ahead. Um, Another thing on safety that I just remembered right now, share your itinerary with someone. Keep people, family, friends, whatever, updated with your progress as you go. And if your itinerary changes, tell them you want someone out there to know if for any reason your plans have changed. Okay, so we've gone through all of those things. Now we are on to the actual drive. So these are tips for the actual drive uh, that were given that were written in, but I'm also going to run you through how my drive went and kind of tips and tricks that I found along the way um other things that I just realized that should have been added to the packing list um obviously like bowls and water for your dogs as well like I don't know some of that kind of stuff is obvious so, The packing list was more just, like, things that people wrote in that I think were a little bit more, like, out of the norm or good little tips. So don't just use that packing list as, like, the end-all be-all info. Okay, so the actual drive. Number one, uh, make sure your dog is comfortable. Obviously, you do not want them to be uncomfortable for the entire drive, if you're able to, crack the back window, allow for some extra stiff, sin- stiff sniffs, allow for some extra sniffs and mental stimulation. Uh, this was a good one. Fade the speakers to the front. So if you're loudly listening to a doja cat to try to keep yourself awake and pump yourself up for the drive, your dog does not need to be subjected to you singing and the blaring speakers. So Keep that in mind. Maybe try to fade the speakers to the front if you can. Don't feed a big meal beforehand, especially if they're prone to car sicknesses. Car sicknesses. Car sickness. Uh, another one said fe- feed smaller meals to avoid car sickness. So either way, don't feed them like if they get fed twice a day, don't feed them like this huge large breakfast and then expect them to jump in the car immediately afterwards on a bumpy road if they do get car sick, someone did recommend Pepsid and Benadryl. So Pepsid, not the complete one. So Pepsid plain, not Pepsid complete, and some Benadryl. Of course, clear this with your veterinarian first. This is just what someone wrote in that worked for their dog. Let's see what else we got. Uh, other recommendations. So choose. So Or enrichment toys, like things to entertain your dog as you drive. This is kind of also up to you. You know your dog best. I was okay giving Albie some chews as we went on. It was kind of, they weren't rawhide, they were like no-hide chews. So they were softer and they like, kind of like melted as soon as you get enough drool on them, basically. So... I was okay with him chewing those as I was driving. You need to know your dog best if they're the type to swallow the whole thing whole or if you're giving them a chew that cracks off into sharp pieces, anything like that. I wouldn't recommend it while driving. You can do other enrichment toys, though. You know, prep some Kongs, prep some lick mats, you know, spread some pita butter on a lick mat, stick it in the freezer the night before, and then let them enjoy that w- while you're driving. And that is basically it for all of the tips that everyone else gave. I'm going to run you through my trip and add some extra little advice that I have. So it's about a 13-hour drive, as I said, from Seattle to Sacramento or Lake Tahoe. I kind of, I went to both. It's a long story, whatever. And I started in Seattle at 6 a.m., had the car more or less packed, most of the stuff ahead of time. Got through Seattle. Albie was very, very uh, excited and overstimulated in the car for probably about the first, like, four hours. So even when we went through Portland, we went through Portland at – it was pretty rainy, so I didn't make very good time. So it was about three hours. So we went through at nine. Didn't really hit any traffic. That was great. Continued on through the rest of Oregon. He finally calmed down, I think, as I said, yeah, like four hours in. Um and when I say calm down, he just he just loves the car. He loves to see other cars pass by. He lo- he thinks he's in some kind of like video game is the only way I can describe it, where he just sees the other cars pass by and he's like, oh, and, and he's talking and he's overexcited. And that's why I had him tethered in the back, because otherwise he definitely would want to climb into the front. He likes to stick his head on my shoulder While I'm driving, that's fine. He's not really too distracting with that. He just likes to to have that like bird's eye view out the front window. Usually, he loves to hang his head out the window while we're driving. But obviously, I didn't want to do that while we were speeding down the freeway. Um, I did deploy all of my entertainment items within those first four hours while he was overstimulated. Uh, So I gave him the lick mat and the two Kongs that I prepared ahead of time. I did not give him breakfast that morning either. And I mean, I think I gave him like a like a quarter of what he would usually get of his kibble. And because I knew that he was going to be getting other enrichment toys throughout the drive. And then as far as food goes for myself, I packed all of my food ahead of time. So I do not enjoy stopping for like fast food while I'm on the road. I find it a complete waste of time, especially like I was saying, it's a 13 hour drive. 12 and a half, I think, is the fastest I've ever made it. A 13 hour, one day drive, I'm okay to do it because I enjoy driving and I enjoy road trips and I save all my podcasts and whatnot. But I don't like to waste any time because as soon as it starts creeping into a 14 hour drive or 15 because of wasted time, it starts to become 0% enjoyable. And so that's why I pack all of my food ahead of time, all of my snacks. I like to just eat also just like we recommended for the dogs, smaller little meals throughout the day. It is a scientific fact that if you eat a large meal, your body does start to go, starts to become a little bit sleepier because certain systems are shutting down while the other systems are kind of processing the spike in blood sugar and digesting the big meal you just ate. So I don't recommend that on road trips for your own food. So that's what I did. I just got a bunch of snacks from like Trader Joe's the day before and I just snacked pretty much the whole way, you know, maybe at a rest stop or something I did or at a gas station I would eat like a half a sandwich in five minutes and then I'd be back on the road. I really do try to make it all about what the dogs need. When I do my trips, if I was doing a vacation road trip, you know, like like an actual road trip where you're stopping and seeing sights and whatnot, then obviously it wouldn't be all about the dogs. But that's how I did it for this holiday trip that I did. And then I did stop, I believe, not too far after Portland. So I usually like to stop every three to four hours. And I know that sounds maybe a little bit too frequent for a lot of people. A lot of people may be like, I can go six hours without stopping. Great for you. I wouldn't recommend it. It's not just me in the car. It's the dog too and that is their only time for a water break. So I like to stop at rest stops because it is the minimal distance from the freeway. So I'm not, I don't feel like I'm losing any time. It has everything I need. It usually has a really nice uh, pet area. You know, the bathrooms are not the most beautiful thing in the world, but like they get it done. And... Usually I find that there's quite, especially during the day, there's quite a few people also there and I feel pretty safe. Usually there's like other families that are stopping, you know, older couples that are doing road trips across the country, things like that. So I, I feel safe and comfortable with that. And I just find it to be the most efficient. Sometimes it's even like only a seven minute stop, like jump out of the car, go to the bathroom, come back, get the dog. Albie goes potty. We walk around for just like four minutes make sure he drinks some water back in the car. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes more like 15 minute. But I do like to bake it more frequent because that is, as I said, like the only time that the dog has a chance to drink water. Speaking of water, um, Albie and Lupin don't drink water if they're distracted by anything, which is, I think, normal for a lot of dogs. So I bring also a thing of broth and I put that in like a spill proof container and i put that along in with the water it is a little bit higher level of sodium but it's pretty diluted because it's in with water and that encourages them to drink it because all of a sudden the water is like a little bit more savory and yummy for them to to down and so that's a little hack that i have to encourage them to drink water And we kind of pretty much did that like all the way down. I had all my food prepped. I stopped for gas. There were one or two gas stations I did let Alby out at and then kind of just let him do a little leg stretch and, and like a potty on a bush kind of thing. But those were very, he was out of the car for like three minutes total and then he was back in. So I do try to save as much time on those and then make it the rest stops where it's like a little safer and a little nicer. So I make those his actual like proper stops. And that was, yeah, that was pretty much it. Got into Sacramento that evening, probably at like, I think it was like 8 or so or 730 maybe. And I made great time going down there. And then on the way back, I had Michael with me, dog Zaddy, And so he was, we were able to split the driving. So we kind of sorted everything out a little bit differently. But ultimately, pretty much every time we jumped in the car, Albie was very overstimulated for the first like four plus hours. And then the rest of it, he would sleep or just kind of like silently look out the window. And that's really the best I could have asked for him. As I said, he is very excited in the car. I didn't know what would suit him best. So while I was in Sacramento, I went from Seattle, to Sacramento, then Sacramento to Tahoe, which is about a two hour drive. And then Snowmageddon came. So then Tahoe back to Sacramento a lot of highways were closed. So it took four hours. And then we did the trip back from Sacramento to Seattle, which was 13. So during all those iterations of different little trips I did in there, I did try out quite a few different things for Albie. So first he was just in the back seat with like his towels and his toy, his enrichment toys. And I tried him in his crate like, the front of the crate was in between the two front seats, so he had, like, full visibility out the front windshield still. He was still very close to me. That one he didn't like as much. He, I think he did feel very contained, and he was unhappy about it. And the and then another iteration that I tried was putting his bed in different places in the back seat, because he had the whole back seat available to him. And so that really, really worked When it was like in a little certain spot, he curled up, he was able to still stick his head and look out the front windshield and kind of be close to me, but he was settled and tethered kind of just in his bed. So that went really well. What I'm getting at here is it took a few different tries to get him completely comfortable. And sometimes that's just how it goes. And I was prepared for that. So that's why most of this episode was talking about being prepared. On the other hand, I have done this trip with Lupin and he will get in the car, lay on his big comfy bed that I have for him, fall asleep, and he's out for the whole trip. So it is kind of just like know your dog. And that's why I only brought Albie. That's another reason. One of the reasons I only brought Albie on this road trip down to see family, because I think two of them in the car would have been really hard for me to manage alone. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. All right, guys, we did it. We got through a solo episode on road tripping. Thank you so much for listening through this whole thing. I hope this is really helpful for you. Thank you, everyone who rode in with their road road trip tips and tricks. It was very helpful. And... If you liked this episode, if you liked any of our episodes, go ahead and give the podcast a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. We're at With a Dog Podcast on all of those. And I look forward to next Wednesday, a great new episode with an awesome guest. Tune in for that. And then our FYI Fridays every other week. I'll see you guys then. Bye. (laughs) All content on the With a Dog podcast is for informational and comedic purposes only. It should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist.